0: What happens is you get cemented into what you feel is this big oak tree. And when someone challenges all these biases and perspectives that we hold, Mm -hmm. it feels kind of shitty in the start because it's like, hey, I thought I was this tree with all these leaves and these branches. And I burned off all the dead wood, and now I'm this fucking stick in the desert. I'm like this little skinny Charlie Brown tree. And that kind of hurts. But the beauty of that is you can grow and foster Mm -hmm. into what you see fit with the people that you have in your circle and that are leading you. you <smart noise>
1: What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordi Podcast. I'm Michelle Haley, and I am joined by a very special guest today, Dylan Fienoff from the motherland of Canada, where it is freezing freaking cold right now. But don't worry, we brought the fire inside here. I cannot wait to chat with you guys about athlete mentality, communication, and clawing into the side of the mountain. How do we continue to climb You guys better be ready for this one. I hope you're on your way to the gym to unleash after you get done with this episode. It was absolutely phenomenal. Get ready. I'll see you inside. Dylan, what in the world is happening, dude? Welcome to the Grow or Die podcast. It is awesome to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me, man. It's just uh, truly a truly a pleasure, and uh, you know I don't get nervous for things very often, but I was a little bit nervous for today. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a, it's a great podcast, and you know I've been an avid listener for a long time, and obviously yeah. having been coached by you and developing yeah. somewhat of a friendship over the years, it's uh, it's really nice to be here.
1: Yeah, dude. So. A little backstory: story. Um, we were supposed to record this podcast last week and then Alston had, you know, 30 degree weather, which was absolutely freaking unbelievable for Alston to have 30 degree weather. The entire freaking city shut down because we had a small little tiny bit of ice. Um, no, no t- t- right, to be transparent. I, I sent in the email um, with with Dylan and then uh, Grant and Mike, who are the guys who are on the podcast studio that I have here. I sent the email, they're like, Dylan, it probably makes no sense to you. But like, we just don't have this happen here. And like, you know, people in Austin, every single year it happens. It's, there's one or two days of freeze and everything's frozen and no one can leave their house. And people are like, you know, complaining and bitching about it. So what I always do I don't believe in complaining and bitching. I believe in problem solving. So I just simply ask people, well, what do you think we should do? Do you want to bring in a fleet of trucks that need for one day a year that take away from other more pressing issues? You know what we had, Dylan? We have we have this thing called uh, the Alston Alliance Group. And what they do, when, you've been to Alston before. I have, yes. Um, we, we met up for coffee in Georgetown what they do is they go around and clean up the streets. Like this is the cleanest big city I've ever been to. And so they, they were going around Dylan with these um, like buckets of salt, like the salt that, that you guys use, like in Canada, like what we'd use in Ohio. And they're <laughs> just pitching like a flower girl. At a
0: wedding. Like feeding the chickens on their ass. <laughs> yeah. Like feed the chickens.
1: Cause like, we don't have, we don't have things to like spread that. Right. But, it was negative 51 degree wind chill up there where you live on the day that it was 30 degrees here. Talk about that. What the hell is negative 51? Like, you don't go outside.
0: Uh, Not really. So, like, you know, and that's a pretty extreme. Like, we do have very cold winters. It would be, like, minus 20, minus 25 for about half the year here. But with the wind chill, sometimes it'll drop to that 35, you know, 40. And then with the wind chill, it was just over 50. So, I was kind of laughing. It was ironic that, you know, you guys were – like the podcast. I'm like, man, I'm about to go fire up my car and drive to my store and like check on my staff. They all had to go to work. Everyone's like, has to do their shit. Nothing changes at all. The
1: whole city was closed here. Look, so like, it was night. It was that night. And I live downtown, so I was just walking around, and I was looking for somewhere to have dinner. Nowhere, with people restaurants dylan restaurants the ones that were open they weren't even taking names on a list because they're like you're you're not getting in tonight like we are booked all the way through there was maybe seven eight restaurants open downtown and they were just booked they were slammed i was like this is unbelievable to see like the greatest business move you could have made was opening a restaurant in Austin, texas and just wait for the freeze um but dylan your, your approach to managing your athletes, your approach to, I know that you love behavioral sciences. I know that you love nerding out on, on the psyche of, of athletes, of humans, of your athletes, of just the way that people operate. And so I'm really excited to chat with you about this. How How did you kind of develop that? You're you're also, one thing I will say about you, you're a phenomenal storyteller as well, I've noticed through your Instagram, um, just through our friendship as well. Um, You're a great storyteller as well. How did you kind of develop these things? How, what made you realize that like, you know, these are strong suits of yours that you can capitalize. Give us a little bit of background on Dylan so that the people are aware of exactly who you are, where you come from, what you do. Because I'm fascinated by you. I always have been.
0: I appreciate that, man. Um, You know, well, I think the way we view the world in a lot of senses is is through a story. And I think that's why old good stories last. We look at the Stoics. If we look at even some of the religious stuff, depending on the belief system, it doesn't matter. All of those things have lasted the test of time because they help us see the complex world through a simpler narrative, let's say. So I always understood that if you wanted someone to be able to follow and or lead depending on the position you're in you have to be able to curate or follow a good story because that's what gets your imagination rolling in in some sense to be able to put it together you know I won't take very much credit for that besides the at a very young age you know like I grew up you know you kind of know my backstory I grew up very obese I wasn't like an athlete that didn't quite make college ball or something (laughs) and then got interested in in bodybuilding, you know, I was like pure obesity until I almost yeah. basically died in an accident. But, you know, from the time I was like 11 years old, I was really weird. My mom would say, like, I would try to get you normal people stuff and you would want to read like ancient Greek literature and just weird shit, you know? So yeah. I was an only child that grew up in a like old, like 1960s hard ranch life. Yeah. And it was the middle of nowhere. There was no cell phones. I'm old enough, like, a before the technological wave, you know, I'm 32. So, uh, and then being in a place that was like behind you know my whole school K to 12 was 175 people we had one computer you know so you
1: were you, you were pretty lonely yeah exactly say coming up so even even the friends you did have in your 170 person K through 12 school, like the friends you did have, there was what, 15, 20 people in your grade. And, you know, we probably were real friends with only a few people, but everything in your town was so spread out that it's not like you can just go hang out at Dylan's house. It's like, the, yeah. So, so do you feel like that? isolation, for lack of better words, drove your mind into further and deeper research into like the Greek literature, like you're talking about, just things that other people that your um, classmates weren't thinking about.
0: Yeah, I I do believe so in some in some fundamental sense. And I'll give my parents some credit. My dad was very iron fisted, you know, uh, very harsh individual, hardened individual, had a very difficult life. My mom was sweet and they both gave me sort of a perspective. My dad, you know, it's funny you mentioned the class thing. Our class had, when I started kindergarten, our class had 20 individuals. Okay. And when I came back to party for graduation, I had already quit. I was done by grade 10, so I was out yeah. of there. Yeah. Uh, moved yeah. out on my own. When I came back to see the boys to, like, party for graduation, there was nine people. So we had lost no. over... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had lost over half half the people. We had lost like 50, 55% that is of, unbelievable. Uh, of the load there. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, so it, what, it what, what do people do? What do people do around you? Like, what do they do for professional work? Um, like you're, where I grew up, that was the thing is, is it most, there was like five jobs that most of the males did. So it was a very difficult place to escape in some sense, you know, like in the US and the bigger cities, I think this is what they would call like some of the lower income project areas and stuff. Like I didn't grow up in a city, so I'm not familiar with the terminology necessarily, but like the same, a lot of the people I went to school with are doing the same things their parents did and the same things their parents did before them. So like working at a concrete plant, maybe you're a farmer's hand. There was like a handful of jobs that most of the men did, usually trades construction, and a lot of kind of, you know, women just, you know, it's a it's a low income population, a very low income yeah. population. And I'll be honest, um, I grew up in a very large grain farm. I didn't know that we had money really. Yeah. Like I did, because I would, I learned a lot about business from watching and paying attention. I was always yeah. one of those kids where my dad would bring me around. I'm the only kid. I'm his only son. My sisters are like 50. So I was like kind of an oops. He was already successful in some, some areas and my grandfather was successful. So just being around that, I saw what was possible. And then my mom always told me, like, I could do anything. And to to some extent, you know, that, you know, not anything, I guess, but you know, there was a there was like a belief there that kind of set this imagination. So, you know, I can remember being like 13 years old, and I'm not proud of this, by the way, but just to paint a picture, (laughs) um, you know, my teachers would be like, Dylan, you're fucking talking again, probably storytelling. Why, like, what are you going to do with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to make more money than you. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) And look at you. Here you go.
1: I love it. I love it. So, so what's fascinating to me, Dylan, about you, you've blossomed into a leader now. You know, a leader within your community, within the Miller Elite team, a leader within your roster that you're working with, a leader within the the supplement companies um, that, that you deal with. You're a leader within the people that you interact with. Leaders commonly come from an athletic background. Or, or, you know, some sort of uh, maybe um, a musical background where they had a creative background where they had leadership components there. And you don't really have that. But I, I, was, I was on a call with an athlete last night. And there's something that I always, and this is going to dive us into our conversation here, which I'm really excited about. So where my roster is right now, I don't want new clients. If you're listening to this, I, I probably don't want to work with you. And it's not a you thing, it's a me thing. It's because love my roster is comprised of people that I absolutely love and will go so hard. It's comprised of people that embody everything I believe in within my core values, right? So I'm on this call with someone last night. I'm hopping on a call with everyone who reaches out now because I'm making sure we're a good fit. And I ask her, she's very talented, very talented wellness competitor. I ask her, I say, what do you want to feel when you reach that end goal? The end goal is obviously getting on stage when you are. What do you want to feel when you get there? Having this goal of like, I want to win. Well, everyone else does too, right? It's cheap what and do banana. you want to feel? Because what I want to know is how introspective are you? How deep have you dove within yourself to be able to pull something greater than Hey, I want to win. Of course, you want to win. I want to win. Dylan wants to win. Everyone listening to this wants to win something somewhere in their life. But she didn't have this athletic background. She didn't have, you know, the, the background that she did have really encouraged me. I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast. That's you know her and I's private conversation. But you don't have this athletic background. You had to have some sort of adversity that you overcame to step into this leadership role that made you look life and be like, oh man. Yeah, I have the ability to impact other people. I want you to talk about what was that moment of adversity where you bounce back and you're like, yep, I, I, I'm I, bigger than this. I'm more than this. This doesn't define me. This is going to be a part of me, but it fueled you to where you're at right now.
0: Sure. And I'll try to be brief because I think there's actually multiple times throughout that. Yeah. Um, a, just sort of having, you know, and I, I don't need to get into it too much because everyone has a story and life is very difficult but I had a very difficult upbringing and I was raised very, very harshly. So I guess to some degree, I was prepared for the realities of the harsh world by the time I even got there. And my naivete, let's say as a 16 year old thinking like, fuck it, I'm just going to move out and I'm going to be the man. That's it. No problem. (laughs) To me, it was already done. And you know, my skills and my mindset and my physique had to catch up to my ego that I already had. So um, I just never envisioned myself not succeeding at whatever I set my mind to. And I always had this innate storytelling ability and the ability to influence. And much like the difference that we're seeing now, I learned at a very early age, like conscious, deep thought at you know, 10, 12 years old, that when we're doing play day at school and we're doing potato sack races or chin-ups on the monkey bars, I was not the same. I couldn't even hang on my wow. fingers. Never mind do a yeah. chin-up. When everyone's done the potato sack race and I can't even finish it. Cause yeah. I'm so out of shape. It was like, yeah, but I also knew that I had a, let's say a, a fast processing system. Okay. So I had already become aware that like, Hey, some of this shit that people are struggling with, you know, I had got moved up a grade when I was younger. So I was the baby in my class in some sense. And I knew like, okay, you know, so there's something here. So I started developing that. So that by the time I took my uh, first sales job at 18, within 18 months, I was the boss of like 40 year old people because you know like so everything that i've done i've always been a little bit i've been let's say running before i could walk in some sense that forces you to develop deep and quick and violent skill set change yeah and that's kind of what my whole life was and then at 21 i almost died bro i fell 50 feet through a building i broke my spine i broke both heels my left ankle and my right elbow and that wasn't the worst part the worst part was i had a relationship that fell apart at that time i lost basically all of the money that I had stacked up that I had been doing pretty well, you know, and that was like zero. And you think like, well, I was the man and now I'm nothing. Now I don't even have my fucking help. And that's what sort of prompted me to be able to look at myself and say like, Hey, you got to get your shit together, man. Because if you're on these high cholesterol pills and you know, diabetic medication, you're fucking 21 years old. Like what kind of life is that? And my whole family is very obese in some sense. So that was what motivated me to at least try. And I'm one of those weird cases where I tried to change my physique and my mindset one time 10 years ago, and now I'm here. I never like tried a keto diet and then had it fail and had to go through the negative emotion of restarting. Obviously, there's been dips in the journey, but for the most part, it's been just like a what we would call an athlete progression from start to finish. And of course, I made mistakes and there's things, if I could go back now, I could speed things up, I'm sure. But all of those lessons turned me into the leader in some sense that I am today You had an actually very big, you were one of the final pieces of catalyst to me becoming the leader that I am. So that's why I have a great amount of respect for you, because when I worked with you, I was able to sit back and I remember how you made me feel about myself for the first time ever. It was like, fuck, I can do this. And it's not this lie I'm telling to myself. It's like, hey, I I can, maybe I can't be the best bodybuilder. Maybe I can't have these things. And you were also very honest. Look, man, where you started with your fucking fat physique, you're not the best, you know, and you know, like you have some skin stuff going on, but like, yes. we're going to get you the best you can be. Yeah. And that was what what kind of sparked a little bit of the the last bit of the fire that I, that I needed. And then I watched what you did with your culture. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not Justin Mahaley by any means, I started to think like, what are the things I could provide to people that are going to give them this sort of, for lack of a better term, this extra flavor? But they can't get anywhere else. And then I realized, man, I've been trying to use my physique as like, look at this transformation, look at this. When no one's hiring me for that, no, no one does. cares about that to, to some extent, obviously, you know, but yeah. they just don't. It was my problem solving ability because mm-hmm. I solve problems like a motherfucker. Yeah. And I, when I started coaching people, I, I got into the industry thinking like I, I'm a very realistic person. It was like, hey. I was obese my whole life. I competed naturally a bunch and I tanked my my hormone, you know, so like I, I'm behind on like, let's say the physique development portion. I know more than what my physique shows and I'm I'm okay to take that on the chin, but then I also knew I have to know more than everyone else. And I, and I started to work towards that kind of in the trenches before I showed up. Yeah. And when I showed up to the party, I realized, holy fuck, my a little bit more is a lot more than what I what is standard here. And I'm not saying there's not people who don't have great knowledge because there obviously is. But if we're taking the whole industry as a whole, it was like, man, there's a lot to be desired here. And no, and the, to segue into the next part of the conversation, the reason I wanted to focus on athlete psychology is because after getting to this point where I'm starting to see the things in my life that I've been working for for 10 years – and I'm sure you've kind of been at this point where you're like, man, I actually built this thing. This is actually people are are are, are rallying to be a part of these things that I that I've helped create or have created. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it's like every ascension that I made, it wasn't because I found some new exercise, PED, supplement. It was because the fucking psyche developed to another level that I could carry my body and my spirit to. And I realized that's that's how athletes are going to get better is learning how to problem solve at a higher capacity in the rest of their life. Man, you are a fan. I could, I could listen to you talk all day, but I
1: want to first not let it go under, uh, understate. I, I appreciate the kind words a ton. I, I I loved being able to help you during our time together. And it's awesome to see you really thriving. Um, you know, since then you're, you're, uh, I, you, you know what I've always appreciated about you is you're someone who gives credit where it's always due. And I know there's a lot of people that you have helped. There's a lot of people that I have helped. that it's like, Hey, motherfucker, you're not going to give us some credit where it's due? (laughs) Hey, you're saying all my words. You're using all my lingo, but you're not going to give us some credit where it's due? I I think that that's paramount and just simply having good karma. So I appreciate that out of you. What you're discussing, I want people to really be able to hone in on. So. I love outside-the-box thinking because things that are inside the box are inside of that box for a reason. Number one, it's because they're safe. And if it's safe, it's comfortable. Number two, it's because they're known. And if it's known, it's probably far behind wherever everyone else is operating and thinking, right? Especially, I mean, we're talking bodybuilding. I'm sure if you can look, I'm not a finance professional or expert by any means. If you look in finance, if you look in business development, I'm sure that the things Elon Musk are doing is not things that are by the book. I remember when Jeff Bezos was doing what he was doing with Amazon, people were like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, I am an outside-the-box thinker. I'm someone who I want to find that next little plot point And I'm going to hold on to this plot point. And there's other things that are going to happen within me figuring this one out and problem solving an issue that brought me to here that I'm going to continue building this massive chart around and the the box gets smaller and smaller and smaller because the chart just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're an outside the box thinker as well. But oftentimes people believe that outside the box has to do with protocols or things of the like. I would consider you an outside-the-box thinker in terms of your athlete management and the psychological tasks that goes into being a leader of individuals who are trying to make better health or better physique or better performance uh, metrics to, you know, send back to you, and you're continually trying to not allow things to plateau or fall off, let me ask you a couple questions of a couple scenarios. Let's say you have someone. You can tell they're starting to—actually, before that. What is good coach-athlete communication to Dylan? In your eyes, what is good coach-athlete communication?
0: So proper check-ins, honesty. So, you know, with proper check-ins, filling out the information that I've required in not too much depth so that I have to read an essay every single sort of question. (laughs) get 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 to the point, but provide the necessary information for me to help you problem solve. Because at the end of the day, these are your problems as an athlete. My problems are sitting at home in front of me and I'm working on crushing my own problems. And you've paid me a monthly fee to literally be in your corner. Right. And in some, some sense I took this from uh, Matt Jansen when I was lucky enough to have a conversation with him. That's sort of what online coaching is beneficial for because like when you're coaching me, it's like each week are you looking to see like, Oh, your are an inch bigger? No fucking way. That's going to take way longer than that. But it's like, what are the small metrics we can improve on that, are going to help you drive the positive emotion. So it always feels like you're winning, right? Yep. Instead of feeling like you're failing and/or losing. Because we basically yep. have progression and regression. We don't really actually have a maintenance mode psychologically. We have it's a striving. This is the, the grower die mentality right there. <laughs> bingo, right? We have we have a striving mm. and having that curiosity pull us into the unknown, or we have the retreat, defeat, you know, standing still flight uh situation. So I yeah. like athletes to be very communicative. And if you're having, if they're having issues that are sort of, you know, putting a strain on their, um, their fitness, which is almost all the time, like it's how many times as a coach you've coached hundreds of athletes. How many times do you get a, a client saying, you know what, Justin, my meal plan was fucked this week. My, uh, my hydration was off. My, my training was off, but everything else in my life was going fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> My relationship's going great. Doesn't happen My job's often. going great. Doesn't happen it's often. <laughs> very often, somebody sits back and allows their fitness to fall apart in the mm-hmm. presence of the greatness and other things in their life happening. And I started to realize, okay, what most people are doing, unless you're a top, 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 top level bod- bodybuilder or fitness uh, personality making money directly from how you look, most people are going to prioritize right? You have to feed your family and pay your bills and your responsibility. So if stress is at the top of that list and your relationships and fitness is underneath, if those two things start to get poison in them, that's going to drift down into the fitness, no doubt. So obviously staying within scope, but if it's like, Hey, if there's some minor problem solving we can do to make your schedule better, make your attitude towards these protocols better, that will help you carry them out better. Then you'll derive the positive emotion and not be relying on willpower, which will run out at some point. Absolutely. Time. It's the
1: practice of the lifestyle. It's practicing the bodybuilding lifestyle. And it goes beyond just bodybuilding. For the lifestyle athletes that I work with as well, and that you work with, this component and in and thought process, operation process is the exact same. We're practicing getting better in something that we have complete control over. Your physique, your performance, and your mentality are where they are right now due to the work that you have put in, not what anyone else has done. It's a reflection of the things that you've done. We all have different starting points. We all have different advantages or disadvantages. So wherever you are right now, it's a byproduct of what you've done to this point, right? So it's like what we're practicing is we're changing the way that we've practiced for, let's say if you're 26 years old, we're changing the way that you've practiced for 26 years. And now we're going to practice in a manner that you're talking with. You're talking about these things. So your practice has to match the talk that you're giving off, right? If you're putting energy out there, you have to be able to back that energy up with the work that you're providing yourself internally. And you're providing those goals or the metrics that we want to hit. And we're practicing just simple life Lifestyle changes that are going to allow the the doors to open for those things, and something that is always so fascinating to me is if you if you start improving your physique, your performance, your mentality is going to improve. Your mental needs to always be a step ahead of your physique and your performance. And that's how it's going to be forever. Your mental is going to be your greatest drawback or your greatest weapon to be able to utilize and and, and, um, hone in on the progression that you're going to make, right? So we We're constantly pushing this mental barrier further and further, this pain threshold with our physique further and further, and when you truly get to the point that I was just having this conversation last week with a new athlete, you get to a point where every single training session you're pushing the pain threshold and the pain mark so far, everything else you do in the week should be easy. You get in a disagreement with your significant other. Well, you know, that wasn't as hard as my leg day session was. Or, you know, you have donuts at the office work. I can tell if someone trains hard by the way they react it, if they're posting stories on Instagram of like all oh, discipline because there's like these shitty looking donuts that their office mate brought into like their work today. It's like, If you truly train hard, those things aren't very, like, there's just no reward in those. It doesn't take discipline to, like, not eat donuts. It's just because if you're training hard, like, truly hard – your mind is about like, oh man, how do I fuel this training session? How do I fuel my mind to get through that? How do I be able to allow this training session to have its fullest benefit? Well, what do you want to fuel with? You want to fuel with not to be boring, but you want to fuel with chicken and rice. You want to fuel with donuts. Like what's going to make your physique, you know, be able to respond to what you're doing. So I love those points you made. I I view athlete communications as like peeling back an onion. Right, Someone new comes to you and it's this bold onion with tons and tons and tons of layers. But I believe that we're able, check-in by check-in, communication stamp by communication stamp, we're able to slowly peel back. You, You know how thin those layers of an onion are? You're able to slowly peel these things back. That's why I like, dude, I don't want to work people for less than a year. You're not, get, you're not going to give me a year at this point of my career with everything I've done. You're not giving me a year. Then you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time because I'm going to peel back this onion. And let me tell you, when I get to the middle of that thing, I'm going to know what makes you tick. And I'm going to be able to use that to grow you as a bodybuilder, as a professional, your mental approach. And it's going to completely change your life, but it's going to take time to peel back this onion. It's going to be slow your your point about get to the point with your communication dude I'll get these messages that are this long and it's like no point was ever made in there so I'm like what what are we going what was the the goal of this conversation if you can't put the goal of your message in like a few sentences then you you, you need to assess is this actually a something or is this a nothing because you should be able to, properly articulate, um, within just a few sentences, in my opinion, now this varies person to person, but what I want to ask you about, you brought in transparency and communication, honesty. Let's say you have an athlete. You're looking at the check-ins, you're looking at the protocols, and, like, things just don't line up. Usually protocols and progression line up quite well. But the communication isn't lining up either because there's not a ton of honesty that's going on here. You know that they're breaking protocols somewhere. You can kind of feel them slipping away into the abyss. You know what I'm talking about? You can feel the energy that this person is not as bought in as they used to be. What's your approach to that? How do you handle... That Because every single coach listening to this right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can just feel that person losing it. How do you bring them back and reel them back in?
0: So this is a great question, and I'll try to answer the question directly. But I'm first going to take a little bit of a spin, which Mm -hmm. I have that happen a lot less because of the way that I handle my athletes, because it's hard to trick me. Mm -hmm. That's one of my sort of superpowers, if you will. I My mind has been in the darkest, deepest place, and I've lived a difficult life and had to overcome a lot of things. So the second I feel that, it's like, hey, what are you up to? Because I would rather have, and I think a lot of coaches make this error, they would rather s- sort of co- let the conflict multiply and hope that the dragon sort of shows its head versus I will go into it being scared, sure, but I would rather have the conflict now for a hundred hours straight, then progress it into the three months in the future. Because I got too much to do in three months. I have yeah. right now to handle this. That's it. Yeah. So that's the same way that we handle our household with my wife. It's like we have a yeah. if we have something going on, we're gonna get to the bottom of this right now. Yeah. And some of that ends up being uncomfortable conversations. So I try to get ahead of it. Now, has it happened? Yes, it happens all the time. We're exactly what you're talking about you're like three, four weeks, usually it takes. And all of a sudden there's like a light that goes off and you're like, Hey, this isn't adding up anymore. This equation, this pattern, I'm, I see everything. I see the world through pattern. So, and human beings do to some degree anyway, but I I start to see a pattern not adding up anymore and it sets an alarm bell off. And that's where I'll just ask the person, how, how are you feeling right now in your life? And I might ask based on the case, let's say, I know that maybe in the past they haven't been happy with their work or, Maybe the gym environment is not the best they like. Maybe their home environment. Maybe their friend circle. There's always something that you've probably collected if you've worked with someone and paid attention for any amount mm-hmm. of time. And that's how I started to realize, oh, this fitness thing that I'm doing is at the at the top of the pyramid or bottom, depending on how you're looking at it. Everything else is funneling down to it. Yep. So I started to realize that asking the right questions allows the right story narrative to be told because most people are telling themselves a false narrative in their mind. And I think that comes back to these sort of long descriptions where they're trying to sell you and themselves. I've been in sales. Yeah. I know what, you know what the first thing a rookie salesperson does, doesn't shut the fuck up. Doesn't ask for, <laughs> doesn't ask for the sale and keep shoveling until they're at the center of the earth. And the customer no. is now like ready to buy an hour ago. It's yeah. the same idea. You're having to convince you that there's no problem because you want to put that in the closet, whatever thing that is, You want to avoid that into the abyss instead of facing it head on. So I force people to face it head on. And as a consequence of that, I see people like you mentioned, right? You level up your mind. It's not just your physique that's going to get leveled up.
1: One thing I've noticed in just um, communicating with experts in their fields, and and this is a pattern across, you're talking about seeing things in patterns, is a pattern across so many different fields that I guess I've been able to um, meet influential people and they have this feeling that they're constantly chasing, but they're able to so well articulate, you know, there was um, uh there was a, I don't want to say research. It was more of an anecdote study um, done on Olympic athletes after they won their medals, their gold medals or silver medals or bronze medals about what they're feeling. They're asked what they're feeling when they get in that moment. And they overwhelming majority was talking about just relief. It was all worth it. I felt relief. There's not some freedom that you feel. There's not some, um, like there's not this glory that you feel. It's a sense of relief that everything was worth it. Last night, I'm not a huge NBA guy, but last night LeBron James broke the scoring record. I follow loosely for the last, you know, six, seven years But it's been talked about for six or seven years, like, man, is LeBron going to get this record? Is LeBron going to get this record? About four years ago, we realized, oh, yeah, he's going to get this record. And for four years, people have been talking about it. It's just been looming. And you saw it happen last night, and you just felt like there was so much relief, not glory. There was relief in his actions thereafter. And I think that that is a common thing that we're seeing within experts in their field is they're feeling these relief points. I think we see the same thing in our athletes. You get to a point where you're feeling good and you're in autopilot within the work that you're doing. And you're feeling this sense of relief now to where the work sometimes to get started up the mountain. It kind of seems like it's, like uh, oh gosh, well, you know, I have to diet. Oh, you know, like I can't go out, like I have to do this or I have to do that. And then it gets to a point, all of a sudden it clicks because you've put the work in, you built the, that's building discipline. That's just simply doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. So you've built discipline. And now it's at a point where that's not discipline anymore. That's where your dopamine hits come from. You don't get these dopamine hits from cheating on your diet. You get anxiety. You feel down about yourself. You almost diminish yourself to, you know, hopefully it's in a healthy manner, but you almost diminish, you know, what you're doing, what you've achieved in in, your accolades to that point because you did something that wasn't reliefful, if that's a word, for you and in your current state of being, right? So there's something that's so rewarding about that. But as a coach, helping people get there, I believe it takes a lot of outside the box communication. And to bring this back full circle, something I'm consistently asking athletes, and I would love to hear what you do that's similar, it might be about the same what are you feeling? I do this in training videos before I give feedback. What are you feeling? Because if you send me this lat focus row that I see mechanical errors with, but you're telling me that after the set, your lat is engulfed with blood and it's so fatigued and your bicep doesn't have it, your rear delts, your teres don't have it, your traps don't have it. Everything's in the lat. And mechanically, there's some things that were somewhat faulty. Now, if we're feeling that, the mechanic's going to be probably around a 98%, right? But it's like that, am I really going to stress over that 2%? No, because you're getting exactly what I want you to get out of this movement. I ask people this in their protocols. Hey, with the meals right now, I know we've been on the same meals for a while. What do you feel on this diet? It's not about... What you're feeling physically, mentally, when you wake up in the morning, a meal one hits. When it's time to train, you have your pre-trained meal. What do these meals make you feel? And we want to make sure that these things like we don't want. Look, if a client has something in front of them, they hate doing. They're not going to do it. If you know that someone just absolutely hates a certain form of cardio because it makes their hips hurt and you give them that form of cardio they're not going to do that. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to skimp on it, right? So it's the outside-the-box communication that I feel like since you and I've worked together is something I've gotten really good at. I see it happening with yourself. Are there some forms of outside-the-box communication that you're using within your athletes that you think people are responding really well to? What's common in our industry is here's your check-in. All right, we got better or you know we, we progressed or regressed to your point earlier. We regress or progress, so this is what we're going to do, blah, blah. See you next week. We're seeing co- coaching taken much further than that, and I know you do it with your people. I want you to elaborate a little bit on that. What's some outside-the-box stuff that you feel has helped you peel back the layers of the onion a little bit faster with your people?
0: Sure. So I'll start from the bottom up, if that's okay, where, where you kind of mentioned something about the reliefness. I'll steal, yeah. steal your word. That relief... Is a deep evolutionary sort of set feeling in some. Oh sense. really? Yeah, because what ends up happening, right? It's tied to human value. Okay. So, if you and I right now are in a different world where we're, let's say, we have no water and we got to find water, and you tell me, man, there's a lot of cloud cover over there. I feel like there's a lot of mountainous terrain where water could accumulate. Let's start heading that way, and we go from a. Uh, sort of a dry terrain, we walk about 15 miles, and all of a sudden, there's some small creek puddles and beds lying around. That's the positive emotion that's, aha, we're on the right map. And you and I have outsourced our sanity to each other, because that human linked value is connected. So you can kind of do that same analogy with a coaching coaching client relationship, right? Even there's been some observational studies where if you put someone on the street corner, and have them look up at absolutely nothing, Eventually, people will start stopping and looking up because yeah. it's like, am I missing something there? Yeah, and that's an old, old, old ancient phenomenon because that's tied to value, right? Fascinating. So, so, so people feel like
1: they're missing out if they don't look, or it's just simply inherent human nature of evolution yeah. that you look.
0: Yeah, because it's either it, it, we're more sensitive to negative emotions. So the first sort of thought is, is there something I should be paying attention to that can make me in a bad situation right now? God, second it, yeah. Thought is. Is there something of value there? And the information is valuable regardless of the threat or or sort of the non-threat, depending, you know, so either way. Now, if we take that and and start talking about you, you made a great point. Like if you give someone something they don't like, this is what happens to a lot of competitors, I find, especially first-time competitors or even people getting very serious in their physique and health mindset goals. They set their schedule and their fitness routines up as if they're working for some tyrant. Like, I have to be here doing this cardio at this time and this and this. And I'm all about discipline and routine. Mm -hmm. But you have to kind of imagine yourself being the entrepreneur and you're working for yourself. How would I extract the best work ethic out of the skills you have right now? Mm -hmm. Because I know you're not everything you could be. Right. So I don't treat you as I treat you as what you can become, not what you are. Mm -hmm. And I try and push towards that. Through a variety of communication now to answer the question very directly knowing that that's how we derive positive emotion it's not from the cheap dopamogenic hits that you're talking about cheating on your diet checking your phone first thing when you wake up and that's what most people feel like real dopamine is Mm -hmm. real dopamine is when you have that call to adventure and you set a target on the map and you move towards it and the map that you've produced provides an equivalent result that makes sense to what you wanted to be the outcome and if not that's where you have to pay attention and learn geez I thought I was going to go do you know some crazy widow maker sets and all my leg days today and that actually fucked my recovery up I thought that was going to do something it didn't so I had to learn and adjust the map and move forward so when I'm asking my athletes questions a lot of them is exactly sort of centered around what you talked about which mm-hmm. is like in your in your sort of your nutritional journey right now, how is your mindset around the food that you're eating, and the amount of and and sort of the the way that the diet structure is in your training? What's your recovery like, and what's your mindset going into the training? Is the training daunting? Are you excited to train? Are you excited to progress? Is there a movement that you're like, oh, I just this hurts me, but coach has it on my plan because I'm not married to any goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. I've collected so many tools over the years that I've tried hard to forget some of them because it made me, uh, you know, miss the forest for the trees for some, yep. for some yep. sense. Right. So exactly what you said. I'm trying to get people to feel the right way. Simply put, feel the right way, execute at the highest possible clip. And I make a joke with clients like, hey, your the results of your entire life right now is a combination of the stupid things you do and the smart things you do. Yeah, <laughs> things you do and down regulate the stupid things you're doing. And the yeah. more we do that, the faster you'll progress and the more you're going to become obsessed with that process. That mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, I hope that answers the question.
1: The, the, the more that they progress, the greater or the closer to that relief, the closer to that water source they're getting. You know, and, and that's absolutely fascinating, and it's extremely well put. And something that that you touched on was the self worth here. That you know what's fascinating to me that there's people I know you've had this too. There's people that don't have you. You might have insight here with your in depth knowledge of the human psyche. There's people that don't attach self worth with following through. There's people that don't really have this big self worth. Um, increase went by just simply like doing the right thing. They're okay with continuing to do to allude to your point, the stupid decisions rather than the smart decisions. Um, do, do you have any insight? Do you have any yeah. scientific insight? I would love to hear some of that.
0: Sure. So I think what ends up happening, and this just happens to a lot of, it happens to various people along skill set journeys, because the bigger the goal gets, the mm-hmm. bigger the requirement is to level up, right? Yeah. So if you're climbing a summit, the actual bottom of Everest, although mentally seems like the easiest part or sorry, the hardest part, mm-hmm. it's actually the easiest. The summit is where you get low oxygen, where mm-hmm. each step is going to require more than the step before because of the resources available. And when some people feel that pressure, it's easy because, you know, we, we, we know what we're up to. Like, you know, all the terrible things you've done. You've heard a bunch of people in your life. I've heard a bunch of people in my life and I've made a bunch of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if there's something sort of a snake pops up that shows me a sign that I could be making a mistake or that I could fail and feel the way that I felt before from those past failures, it's going to cause me to fall into the same self-sabotage feedback loop. Ah, So then someone self-sabotages and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where now the story gets cemented more, right? So, yep. see, I knew that I couldn't do that, or I knew that yep. that coach wasn't the right person for me, or I knew those protocols weren't going to work. This is what always happens. This is how I am. I just fail, and you don't get to hear those conversations. But because I've struggled so much myself, I know they exist, and I know I'm not special or unique in that sense. I, I would mm-hmm. say that I'm just average. That's or, or more common, more than common average, right? Yeah. So knowing that those conversations are going on. If I start to feel someone slipping into that abyss and I start to ask them, do you think that it's, I'll ask questions, right? So asking questions, not dictating. I'll say, do you think that it's a possibility that what you're feeling is a resistance to a new, it's sort of a new resistance that you haven't felt. And you're scared to fall back all the way down the hill because you know what that feels like. So you'd rather claw into the side of the mountain right now, not go up. But you are sort of safe like you said before you're in that mm-hmm. box and mm-hmm. you're safe so i'm not going to lose what i have because there's something like with the human psyche we can only be so happy mm-hmm. like if i come and drop, dump a hundred million dollar treasure on your doorstep of gold today you're going to open the door and be pretty happy yeah but if i if i was to replace that hundred million with 80 you're probably going to be just as, there's not really a difference you're not going to uh, be able to yeah. tell me a tangible difference yeah. however the depths of human suffering We're very creative creatures. We can make each other suffer and ourselves in ways that are almost unfathomable. So we're way more sensitive to that negative emotion. So especially when somebody has never felt any positive emotion. I realized one very sad thing, especially with men, but women too. Most women in today's modern world have never had a good relationship with a man in their life. They've never had one positive male role model in their life. And males haven't either. And that affects them both differently. So just having the one person in your corner that's saying that's challenging some of these narratives that you may have not have thought because they calcify in your mind, Mm -hmm. right? You just kind of start to, that's how normal is. It's just your normal homeostasis and you sort of carry your story out like a losing story. And the second I can start to make people see first off the change that gives them the aha, like that's why when I come out of the gate with someone, I'm giving them all I got and I'm trying to give them, get them to give me the same in return because yep. I know if I can get the ball rolling, that's the aha, the light. Like, yep. oh, I've chosen this person to help me create a map to to the promised land and it's working. Yep. Therefore, I'm more likely to repeat it. Versus how many times you, you know, we see with some of the poor coaching practice in the industry, someone's very excited. Maybe they've failed a few times in the past. Maybe they said like, hey, this food doesn't work well for me on this meal plan. These training exercises are not the best. They get the plan and it's some just carbon copied thing that didn't take into consideration that they're going to feel that negative emotion. Like, well, there must be something wrong with me because I can't eat these foods. There must be something wrong with me because this exercise doesn't fit me. And we always carry that self blame, shame, and regret. And as soon as they get into self-sabotage, that's where that emotional bias is going to lean. So I'm working hard to pull them out of that. And sometimes people are at the bottom of the cliff. So you have to, it's like, Hey, do you think we could set a bedtime for 10 o'clock this week and you could hit it five times? No. Can you do 10:30? Yes. Okay. And maybe they fail. Maybe they fail and it's four, but it's better than the midnight or, you know, staying up Mm -hmm. with insomnia that we had the week before. So Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about looking to get someone where I know they don't have the capacity to get to. It's Mm kind of like five years ago, if someone would have said to me, hey, Dylan, here's what you're going to be doing in five years. Do you want it right now? I would have said, yeah, give me that shit. (laughs) Yeah, what that is. I would have taken it and absolutely imploded all of it. It wouldn't exist because I was not the man that could handle the responsibilities, not even 50% of what I could now. So I understand it's a building of this psyche that ends up changing the narrative over time, which changed the way you view yourself. And as soon as you do that and you start to see yourself as what you're actually wanting without all the, what is this person going to think? What do I think about this crazy goal? You know? And if you can remove some of that, and get people moving forward, they almost always get better, whatever that looks like for the clients.
1: That, that that was deep. That was absolutely fascinating. Okay, so you have – this is fascinating stuff right here. So something uh, – uh, I, I want to work through an issue that I have with sure. you right now. Do it. I have people coming to me. I would say any, almost everyone reaching out to me at this point, I would love to work with more lifestyle athletes, but everyone's a competitor. And majority of them are reaching out and, you know, I get their picks from their last stage show- showing. They've never gotten in shape. They've never been in true competition's shape. They've competed all these times, and they're saying the word pro card, the term pro card. But we've not even gotten in shape before. When I get these people to start working, I, I understand they're on the side of the mountain clawed in. To use your analogy, which yes. I think that is beautiful. They're clawed in here. They haven't pushed through this uncomfortable place where I'm going to have to take them to in order for them to be able to, one, I mean, represent Team Haley on stage, but two, to have a chance at that term that they keep saying, a pro card. What I'm struggling with is I don't want to ever demean someone or their work. I don't want there to be any negativity bias in anything that I'm saying and doing. But when I'm pointing out you know, through our work together, hey, right now is when we need to push harder. This is, you know, this is one of those mental disciplines to the reason why we haven't got in shape yet. We need to push things harder right now so that we can build mental discipline for when things get tough in a contest prep situation. You can always lean back on your training and say, well, you know what, I'm hungry, but the pain of the hunger doesn't hurt as bad as the training that I'm putting forth. So something I'm struggling with is kind of the signaling of, hey, look, we're in an off season. I know that we're not prepping right now, but we have to be able to take the pains that we're going to have to work through in prep. And we can push some of those barriers right now. But these people are clawed in. And here's the other hard part. Let me throw something else at you. They've taken all these drugs and we're going to do this phase without PEDs. There's going to be none because I'm building down the bodybuilding that you know, and I'm going to show you how I bodybuild, and I'm going to show you the discipline of what training can do, what diet can do, what cardio can do, and every seven days when you start showing me progress, every time you send me pics and there's progress with no PEDs, that's when I'm going to know that we're probably ready to get into a contest prep and we're probably ready to pull bloods and see if PEDs are are good for us. My issue, I don't love the signaling that I'm giving people right now because I keep reverting back to, like, you've never been in shape. I don't mean that as a diss. I don't mean this in a negative way. But I'm trying to move them up the mountain by simply pointing out, hey, we haven't hit the mark yet. And we have to hit this mark. So I feel like I'm, tr- I'm at the top of the mountain trying to pull them up. And I think what they need is me to go beside them on the mountain and, and climb up with them. How do I take where I am at right now, and how do I get to the point where I'm next to them on the mountain, and we start scaling it together? Does my question, does my yeah, issue make 100%, 100%. sense?
0: Okay, I would so, love to I'll, hear your take on this. I'll try this to make me a better apart. coach right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll try to pull it apart the best I can. Yeah. So you, you said you to to miss the mark. That's actually derived. Uh, to sin is derived from a Greek saying that's like something like to have missed the target. Okay. Right? So. When uh, So I like that analogy, and and that's kind of what they're doing, or you're pointing out that they missed a target. Now, we have to think of what's important to the human psyche at the very core levels of it, and reputation is one of those things. So in that person's athlete circle, they're probably surrounding themselves with people that are maybe not quite where they are on the hierarchical level of their fitness journey because these are already competitors who are in the 1% of people, like they go to Walmart, they're the biggest person, the most in shape yeah. person, no matter what season they go to. So most people on social media are gassing them up, et cetera, et cetera. So by you saying, oh, you've never been in shape, the ins- it's like pulling a dog on, you have dogs, it's like you try to start running with them and pull them the wrong way, they're going to just pull back, right? So it automatically creates that pullback reaction, even though what you're saying is completely true. So I think asking better questions to help people say their own narrative out loud because again this shit gets calcified in our mind and that's Ah. why reading and why does journaling work so well why does storytelling work so well those are forms of thinking besides our own internal subjective type of thinking they're all separate systems so when i have to say out loud if i asked if i asked you okay justin you are talking to me about a pro card however would you not agree that we could have brought in a lot better condition at your last three shows Well, it doesn't matter what you say, that's going to lead me to the next piece of the conversation. But assuming that you have any sense in your head and someone that's hiring you or hopefully me has some sense, they'll probably say something like, no, I I actually know I could have been better. So then you say, I actually understand the fear of what you're going through, because everything you've done till this point has got you to where you are. Let's say, i.e. the PED protocol that they're pushing back on. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to show you the way that I bodybuild. And I understand why you don't want to do that because from where you're sitting, it might feel like you're going to slip down the hill and lose what you've got. That's what they feel But, it, every but time. you came here for me to lead you and you mm-hmm. already have been studying me for a long time. You, When you decided to hire me, you already have been watching my work for a long time. You've probably talked to my athletes. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking miss very often. Mm-hmm. So can you give me, could you give me 12 weeks of your absolute all out effort towards this stuff. And I know you're going to have struggles. It's not like you're going to agree today and you're going to be perfect for 12 weeks. And your mindset's not going to start trying to trick you every time it does. You bring it to me immediately. And those would be one of those urgency actions that we talked about off air before. Like, Hey, I'm really struggling today. I feel like this isn't enough this, or it's too much this or whatever it is. And then you just check them and you have to re-ask the right questions so that they kind of spout off their own bullshit because most people's arguments they, they feel very confident arguing them against their own objective, subjective perspective in their head, but they would never get on a podcast and walk that out onto a far limb and try to bring that back with any sense. They would never argue what you're saying isn't the right way to go. They already know it is. You have to sort of, you know, you, there's an old saying in the country, you can lead a horse to water, you can't force him to drink, but yeah, you yeah. can surely entice them through the right methodology. Yeah. Right? So that, that that's kind of exactly what what I'm getting at here is, you know. I think there's probably a better conversation to be had. And, you know, and I think for you coming from a position of authority, what ends up happening, I think as, as bodybuilding coaches careers progress, they automatically start to auto select for the people that can just follow direction like nobody else. And then they lose touch of actually how most people are not like that.
1: Right. And
0: then it's frustrating when you're in the intermediate because you see someone like Justin Mahaley and let's take it a next step. Matt Jansen. You're like, well, fuck, I want those guys that just do this and that for 12 months straight and never buck, buck the horse. Yeah. Yeah, But Matt probably worked with a lot of people and found his way of helping people through these struggles. You've worked through your way of helping through these struggles. I have, and there's no right way to do it. But for me to answer your question very simply for the listeners, I try and understand what obstacles mentally they're coming up against. And then I try to reverse engineer a story that I can tell oh, that will yeah. lead, lead them past that. So it's like, yes, that's got you to where you are right now. But play, imagine this out with me. And then I start to do exactly what you did. Like, give me X amount of weeks. I'm going to show you week over week progression. And when I start, to, when you start to show them about yeah. three weeks in when they're You know, I know the way you do your layouts and your pictures, because uh, I'll be honest, I took that from you because it's easier to coat the body (laughs) that you have in front of you than it is to just coat, you know, where you come from and where you're going. It's like, look, here's your progression. And that's been as good as anything else you've done in the past. We just have to keep doing this, right? And oftentimes they'll even still fight you on that. Because what happens is you get cemented into what you feel is this big oak tree. And when someone challenges all these biases and perspectives that we hold, you did a lot of this for me. It feels kind of shitty in the start because it's like, hey, I thought I was this tree with all these leaves and these branches, and I burned off all the deadwood, and now I'm this fucking stick in the desert. I'm like this little skinny Charlie Brown tree, and that kind of hurts. But the beauty of that is you can grow and foster Mm -hmm. into what you see fit with the people that you have in your circle and that are leading you.
1: That's beautiful. So right now, what I took from that one thing that I, I I can absolutely look back on now, this is why I love this podcast format and bringing on experts such as yourself to be able to pitch things back and forth and get your opinion on things. People are coming to me. They know they've missed the mark in the past. They're not hiring me because they've nailed it every single time. They're hiring me because like you said, well, you know, this guy doesn't miss very much. So like, let's see what's, you know, what's going on over there. So it's kind of adding insult to injury as I'm coming from a place that, you know, many would view me as a, a, a good bodybuilding coach, I think. So it's like, well, hearing it from like someone who I respect probably doesn't feel super great. And I like your framework of let's make this into a story together because right now, yeah, I'm like on top of the mountain, like you haven't got in shape yet. Come up here. And they're like, how do I get there? So, if I reframe this into a step by step story, like what you're alluding to, I'm next to them on the mountain. See, I knew you'd have an answer for that. That's why I brought it up. But Dylan, absolutely phenomenal stuff here today. i i we we have to cut it off for now, but that was we, we only got, I told you, I, <laughs> I told you a great <laughs> podcast is when I don't make it through my notes. We made it through two of my points. Yeah, well, we did <laughs> That's how good. you know we nailed it. Yeah. Dude, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your perspectives. I love the way that you're able to articulate and tell stories. Um, you've always fascinated me with your energy. It's always so positive from the moment we met four and a half years ago at the Arnold in Columbus to now. Um, you've always been positive, you, you've always been fantastic. Um, uh, so thank you for being the energy that you are to the world. Where can people find you at? Give them your Instagram handle and anything else you would love to promote here.
0: Sure. So uh, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Miller Elite, YouTube channel for our team Miller Elite. My Instagram is just my name, Dylan Phaneuf. Coach Dylan on TikTok, but I don't go on there very often. It's like no man's land. You'll like this <laughs> one. You'll li- you're like this one. I'll take two seconds. And I just yeah. started posting on TikTok yeah. and I posted a video about and kind of the It's all fast based content, right? So there's a hook, right? So my sales hook in the first bit of the video is like, Do you struggle with patience and speed on your fitness journey? The first comment is no because I'm on trend, dude. I'm like (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well played, sir. Well played. played. He won the internet for the day. (laughs) Trump card, I'm on trend. Anyway. TikTok is a wild, wild no man's land. But you know, if anyone needs anything, just reach out. I really appreciate you having me on, man. You've been super impactful in my journey. And you kind of continue to do that for me. And, you know, providing me this platform to share some of my ideas that I know are not, let's say, the mainstream ideas, because a lot of times in bodybuilding, especially the harder core bodybuilding you get into, these ideas are pushed back upon, like, yeah, my guys don't need that. They just need to work hard and when I finally started to, you know, I took on my first pro athlete this year. And, Hell yeah, congratulations uh, thank on you. that. And one of the, I don't I want to take too much time, but this is very important. This yeah. is just alluding to the whole podcast. She, I reached out to her, um, uh, like, off of a story that was yeah. nothing to do with coaching. Yeah. And we start, and she's, anyway, we had some conversation back and forth briefly. And she was like, you know, I've been thinking about hiring you or Braden yeah. for some time. And I'm like, Me? Really me? You want to hire me? Okay. And then I kind of asked her. I said like, and why don't you? Then? Yeah. You know. And she said, well, I've been struggling with feeling like I'm good enough to kind of be there. Yeah. This is a pro athlete. Yeah. That's when I realized like, no, 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 no. There's not a segment of people that don't need this. Yep. There, there's some people that can f- achieve great things without it but every person would achieve greater things with it. So then I sort of doubled down on that. And that's been the last kind of year of progression to to being here talking to you about some of these ideas. So thank you very much for for having me.
1: Dude, absolutely, man. I'm going to have you back on this podcast soon. So I'm really looking forward to that. Dylan, as always, it's a pleasure. We'll talk soon, okay, man?
0: Have a great day, man.